The Living Traditions Festival is back Friday, May 17th through Sunday, May 19th at Washington Square Park in downtown Salt Lake City. You will find a global food court, live music, performances, art, workshops, Bohemian Brewery, and stuff for kids. Full disclosure, this is my favorite Salt Lake Festival. For details and to see the full program, visit livingtraditionsfestival.com or find them on Instagram and Facebook at SLC Living Trad. Today on CityCast Salt Lake, with the legislature back in session, changes to our sports institutions, and the Great Salt Lake doing her thing, there was a lot of big news this week in our little city. Lead producer Emily Means joins me to break down the headlines you might have missed. It's Friday, January 20th, 2023. I'm Ali Vallarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. Good morning, Emily Means. Good morning, Ali Vallarta. All right, let's get into the ballpark news. How are you feeling about the Millers moving the beloved Salt Lake Bees Stadium to daybreak? Let's waste wow, no time. Right, <laughs> Let right me hear out it. the gate. Um, uh, listen, there are so many baseball puns I feel like we could make during this news segment. I'll just make one. Was this announcement totally out of left field? <laughs> no, it wasn't. Uh, we kind of knew that the Millers were making some moves to take the bees somewhere to do something in daybreak. And uh, yeah, I think it's just kind of like a little disappointing for me. I've enjoyed going to bees games. Yeah, I love going to bees games. Are you kidding me? It's so fun. Now, I think the question for me is like, are the people of Salt Lake City going to schlep down to daybreak to watch a minor league baseball team? No, they're not. But I don't okay. think they are. But 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 are the people of daybreak going to watch the bees? Listen, Allie, I actually think that in terms of family friendly activities. This is a good one, right? Taking your kids to a ball game. There are probably a lot more kids who live in this part of Salt Lake County than live in Salt Lake City, right? So, like, yeah. this is this is a place that could serve a new uh, a new generation of children in Salt Lake County. But you're right. Like, I don't even know how to get to Daybreak except to take the Red Line tracks train to the end of the line. <laughs> and I don't think yeah. people are going to be doing that to go see these baseball games. No. I like that you brought up that this announcement wasn't out of left field because I think we should talk about how the city handled it. Because, of course, you and I both work in the media. And sometimes when you work in the media, you watch people or institutions or offices make a media plan and execute mm. it. And you sit there and think, what an interesting choice. <laughs> <laughs> and like this announcement, it was so strange how we got the news basically from the Millers about the move. And then Salt Lake City Mayor Aaron Mendenhall reacted to that like that seemed to be the media strategy as opposed to the city just making the announcement and getting ahead of it yeah that was kind of weird so mayor aaron mendenhall had like these videos from her phone and she was in the ballpark and she was like 
I am really sad about this news. This is disappointing to me as a Salt Laker. But as the mayor, it's a huge opportunity for us. And it seemed like she was learning about it at the same time that we were. But, Allie, I went and listened to the formal press conference they had just probably minutes after the mayor made that video. And someone asked her when she knew. Like, when did you know that the bees were leaving? And she said she didn't know what the Millers were going to decide. But back in November is when the city kind of kicked into gear and they started making plans around what would happen next with the ballpark. She said she formally received a letter Friday night. It made me as a city resident because, of course, they had this like website ready Mm -hmm. to go ballpark next. They already have somehow a $30,000 line item, which is the sort of prize for. So they're doing a design competition. And if you are one of the winners, like you can win cash for coming up with the winning design for what to do with the basically hole in the ground that the Millers are leaving in the ballpark neighborhood when they take the bees with them. And so... It's like this, what do we do with the stadium? What do we do with the space? We've got this design contest. We put aside 30 grand for it. Like, it's like there was so much prepared Uh and yet it felt very reactionary. And I think like it was a missed opportunity for the city to show that it was in control, that it had like that to show leadership, I think. I just feel like I would have liked to have heard it from you. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, in the end, It doesn't matter that much. This competition, this design competition, I think is really interesting. We could get some really cool ideas from the community on what goes there next. Uh, Mayor Mendenhall said the ballpark is only open 70 days a year. So they're really looking for year-round activation at this space. She promised that it won't be an empty pit and it's not just going to sit there and be a public safety risk. What do you think should go there? Put some housing there. Put a shelter there, maybe some small businesses. That could be nice, like to garner a little bit of like a downtown kind of feel for ballpark. I don't know. Put the Rio Grande plan. I don't know. It's a great location, (laughs) right? Because there is a track stop right there. I think there are some buses that use that as a a hub for them, too. Um, But I think it could be time for a new professional sports team. Mayhaps one on ice. Oh, uh, you want a hockey team I want the sea there. monkeys there. <laughs> brine shrimp tough. Yeah, brine shrimp tough. Plus, like, then uh, the community can use the ice rink when the sea monkeys aren't playing. Yeah. Suck it, Mill Creek Commons. <laughs> Allie, the design competition is open until Friday, March 17th. And uh, the Salt Lake City planning director, Nick Norris, encourages you to think big. Okay. Will do. Whenever posture comes up in conversation, we all do that thing where we immediately sit upright and pull our shoulders back. Did you do it just now? I did a movement session with Chandler at Embodied Patients, and after a few gentle corrections, I was surprised to find sitting up straight is incredibly easy. Chandler's practice combines over a decade of study in yoga, Pilates, and the Alexander Technique. So why should you invest in your posture? Let's start with the link between better posture and better breathing. Whether you're returning to activity from an injury, looking to manage pain, or just have the sense things could be a little easier, 
Chandler will teach you to create sustainable movement habits so that you can enjoy the things you love for longer. Maybe that's running marathons. Maybe it's walking the dog. Visit embodiedpatience.com to book a session with Chandler and give yourself the gift of your own attention. Spring is when leases expire, and if you're looking for a new or better apartment situation, here's the scoop at Ico Fort Union. Fort Union is Ico's newest build in Cottonwood Heights off 1300 East and 6720 South. And as they say in real estate, location, location, location. Ico Fort Union puts you 10 minutes from the mouth of Big Cottonwood Canyon and central to all the Fort Union shops and restaurants. But the complex is located on a dead-end street, so you get peace. Ico Fort Union offers studio, one, two, and three-bedroom apartment homes, plus these very cool three-bedroom work-live apartments. So if you're starting something new, you can live above your business space. Amenities include a pet spa, a spin loft, a bike hub, and EV charging stations. And they are signing leases right now. So visit liveatfortunion.com for a tour. I feel like we are dwelling on this ballpark news, Emily, because we don't want to talk about the Utah legislature, but we have to. So let's do it. Let's just jump in. (laughs) This was the first week of the 2023 general session of the Utah legislature. First day always opens with a bunch of pomp and circumstance, right? But Allie, I was really interested in learning about who is in the legislature this session. And Brian Schott from the Salt Lake Tribune has us covered, of course. He did a demographic breakdown for us. Democrats lost seats in the legislature. I don't know if everyone knows this. And so the super majority of Republicans has grown even more super. That's always just a fun dynamic to think about. Yeah. We just got our first Gen Z lawmaker, Allie. What? I know. That is pretty wild. Out of Provo. Out of Provo. Tyler Clancy replaced Representative Adam Robertson. Representative Clancy is just 25 years old. And that does make him Gen Z. All you Gen Zers who won't claim that. Yeah. 1997 onward. Thank exactly. you. Fact checked. Exactly. We so. fact checked it. And he is a Provo police officer. Also, former director of the Pioneer Park Coalition here in Salt Lake City. So he has Salt Lake ties and he was chosen by Republican delegates in a special election recently to serve in the legislature. So fresh blood, I guess. So and I would just like to say that when I was 25, I was still accidentally washing my clothes with dish soap. So congratulations, Tyler Clancy, on being in the legislature. Anyway, so this is who was in the legislature this year. And the legislature wasted no time to uh, start shenanigan making. They launched right into their shenanigans. Yeah. Well, okay. when we did our prediction show, which was December 14th, 2022, we made our predictions for the year 2023 in Salt Lake City. And one of our predictions was this would be the year of political shenanigans. And I'm categorizing political shenanigans as sort of like across the spectrum, like anything that feels stunty. Uh, And we are already seeing the stunts, right? I do want to talk about one bill that I'm currently obsessed with. And this is a bill that was filed this week by Senator Mike McCall. It's SB 108, Animal Shelter Revisions, which, I mean, I'm 
totally into. It bans the use of gas chambers in animal shelters, which did you know that they still use gas chambers in animal shelters in Utah? I did not know that, but sounds horrifying. First of all, we need to get the word gas chamber out of our vernacular entirely. So we should just ban gas chambers across the board because that's I just never want to use that word ever again. But basically, this would change like euthanasia methods at animal shelters, require that they adopt a humane policy and like a training program and whatever else. But when Senator McKell introduced this bill, one of the cases that he made, which I think is like a real sort of synecdoche for how the legislature operates, right? This was his announcement. Not only are gas chambers more expensive... (laughs) But they place staff members at higher risk of injury, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm like, here we go. We have to make an economic case for literally everything. Like that is that should be on the new Utah flag. It should be like Utah, make an economic case for it. Well, and they do all the time. (laughs) Right. And they do. That's their favorite thing ever. And an important reminder that like anything that you would like to see done in this state or any email you send your legislator, or any sort of outreach or organizing you are doing, appeal to the economy. Because that is the cornerstone, it feels like, of Utah legislative decision-making. Now, of course, when this bill was introduced, local animal rights activist and former Grey's Anatomy star Catherine Heigl was there with Senator Mike McKell, which I also think is kind of funny because it's a real Utah rite of passage to roll your eyes at Catherine Heigl. (laughs) I think she lives in Park City or something, doesn't she? I think she's in Heber because she's a horse girl. Ah, the Heber horse girls. Anyway, so 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 what you're saying, Allie, the bill is not the shenanigans. It's the publicity stunt that's the shenanigans, right? Right. All right. Well, this isn't the only publicity stunt that they pulled this week. And this is, you know, taking a more serious note. Uh, Legislators wasted no time in... Addressing trans health care. The Senate Health and Human Services Committee got right into it. They passed a bill that would ban gender affirming surgery for trans kids, as well as banning puberty blockers for trans kids. Necessary health care interventions for these children. And Mm -hmm. Ali, I just very, very briefly tuned into this committee hearing and was surprised to learn that one of the expert witnesses, the sponsor, Senator Dr. Mike Kennedy had called in, said he was a doctor, but he was not a medical doctor. In fact, he just had a PhD in political science. And that's who they brought in as their expert witness for this bill that is, I mean, it, de- it deals with healthcare, right? And new Newly elected senator, Dr. Jen Plum, who is actually a medical doctor, called that out in committee and wanted to clarify what kind of doctor this witness was and turns out doctor of political science. So <sighs> this, this was one of the things that really frustrated me this week with the legislature because yeah. they're not even coming at it with these good faith arguments, you know? Mm-hmm. Anyway. It's only the first week. We have, you know, 40 more days to go. So buckle in. Take care of yourself, everybody. Yeah. And I will say, I mean, like another theme of the Utah legislature, especially in recent years, it seems. And I would file this legislation concerning transgender young people under this category. And that is 
a solution in search of yes. a problem. Yes. Meanwhile, you look at the docket of problems facing our state, pretty extensive. 11.5% of the state is food insecure. The crisis at the Great Salt Lake. I mean, to dedicate the first week to introducing a slew of legislation that makes life more uncomfortable and arguably less safe for young people, if that's the Utah way, maybe I misunderstood. Now, I think it's important that we offer a disclaimer, Emily, which is that like we just simply can't keep up with all legislative coverage. We do our news roundup once a week. We are making a good faith effort on this show to talk about big bills, big themes, what's going on at the legislature. We're not going to leave you hanging. But if you want this kind of minute by minute coverage, if you want to be following really, really specific bills, there are a lot of places you can turn for that kind of coverage. And we encourage you to follow like Ben Winslow on Twitter. If you're on Twitter, right? Listen to State Street, the politics podcast from the NPR station KUER. What else? You were a political yeah. reporter. Who are some of your former colleagues? Oh my that God, we have so many amazing politics reporters up on the Hill right now. I really love Katie McKellar from the Deseret News. She typically does like a daily breakdown of what happened in the legislature. Yeah, absolutely. And again, we are not going to leave you hanging. We will do our best, but there are a lot of resources available to you if you don't want to miss a single beat of the legislative session, which to be clear, I think you should miss a few beats of the legislative session and take care of yourself. But let's move on. We have Great Salt Lake News. I should think you're great. Great Salt Lake. Great Salt Lake. <laughs> You went really low. Okay, okay. Drea Bocelli. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Hey. Allie, we have really good Great Salt Lake news. And that is yeah. that the lake has risen a foot since November 2022. That's wild. Right. Okay. So three months. Thank you, Atmospheric River. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's got to be because we've been getting really dense snow and yeah. rain, right? Yeah. Just yeah. pounded with precipitation. Now, I don't want to rain on this parade because I know that this is I think is you should rain. News. You should. More rain. Water in. More rain on this parade. <laughs> we love water in the lake. But we do need it to rise 11 feet. Yeah. Fair point. So we are one eleventh of the way through mitigating a crisis, but again, not redirecting ourselves away from potential future crises. Mm. So this mm -hmm. is good news. This is a good little blip. But long term, the lake is still in crisis. Yeah, fair point. But sometimes you need a win. You need a dub here and there. And we'll take it. Absolutely. I mean, I think the only thing that makes me nervous when I see this kind of like, oh, my God, the lake rose a foot coverage is that I am at times a deeply cynical person. What? Emily, I didn't no, know if maybe you or you. listeners knew that. Might be, might be surprising news to you. And I worry that our legislators and our state leaders see this kind of news, this kind of positive direction, and will think, well, everything we're already doing is working. No need to do more, right? We prayed for rain. The rain is coming. 
We will sort of just get lucky and luck our way out of this crisis, and there's no need to put our backs into it anymore. That is my anxiety. This kind of news doesn't help it. I feel you. Allow me to try really hard to alleviate some of that. Just a just okay. a little bit. And, you know, it's totally fair if you have anxiety around the lake, too. You probably should. It's an existential crisis, okay? Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Doc. <laughs> but Leah Larson from the Salt Lake Tribune, uh, an incredible water reporter that we have here in the state, she recently looked into this report that local scientists put out about, you know, like what exactly we need to be doing to move away from this crisis. Scientists want state leaders to take emergency action to put 2.5 million acre feet of water into the lake, like immediately. And state leaders are like, well, we don't know if we can do that. But they continued to reaffirm that the lake is a priority for them. They're like, we are looking at every single possible solution. We are trying our darndest. You know, we want to allocate $130 million or something this legislative session to the lake. So it is seemingly a priority for state leaders still. And they're thinking more about the long term. I think they described solving the lake's crisis as a marathon, not a sprint. Personally, I'd like to see more sprinting from them. Does that help you at all? Does that does that give you any sort of comfort that state leaders are actually taking this seriously, at least at some level? No, but thank you for trying. (laughs) (laughs) I guess I am comforted in knowing that they are taking this crisis seriously. I think that perhaps we have a different lens on what addressing the crisis looks like. And I think they are taking it seriously But that doesn't mean that me and maybe Governor Cox are on the same page in terms of conversations about consumption or conversations about changing our lifestyle. You know what I mean? And so I think that's kind of the source of my anxiety is like, I agree that we want the same things. I'm not sure that I trust their path, but also I'm not a scientist. so And neither are they. So Right, right. Trust the science, y'all. Okay, let's get out of here. Emily Means, what are you up to this weekend? Allie, the boys are back. Jazz won. They walloped the Clippers. And their win over the Clippers on Wednesday put them at sixth place in the Western Conference. Sixth place. That's pretty good, right? Better than 12th place. Oh, man. They really do play with our hearts and minds. Listen, it is a wild ride being a Jazz fan. But anyway, the Nets are going to be here at the Viv. Uh, on Friday night, you mean the Delta Center? I mean Center? the Delta Center. That's what that's what I'm doing this weekend. I'm gonna hopefully try to get tickets to this game. Actually, I actually looked yesterday, and there are some like there are some decent resale seats. Not bad. That's so the way I usually I think you go. Can do it. Allie, what are you doing this weekend? I mean, I'm gonna be watching Sundance movies. Of course, I am a former Sundance staffer and a huge movie lover. The opening weekend is always a blast. I'm going to be watching as many movies as possible. I also do want to let people know every year the festival has a litany of screenings that they offer to Utah locals for free. It's part of their sort of like, thanks, Utah, for putting up with all of this nonsense. In exchange, here's some free movies for you program, which goes by a different name. <laughs> There's but that's probably what I call an it. acronym for that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so registration for those screenings is open. So I'm going to put a link in the show notes for this episode. 
But um, there's like, I think six, seven, maybe eight different screenings that you can register for throughout the festival, both in Park City and in Salt Lake. And then you can go for free. You just have to show a Utah ID, which they are pretty strict about. But I do think if you're like, if you're a recent transplant, if you don't have a Utah driver's license yet, you could probably bring like a phone bill. That sounds fun. But yeah, so register for those. I'm dropping the link and see you at the movies. Let's go to the movies, y'all. Let's go to the movies. Let's eat red vines. Red vines are Twizzlers. Red vines. Absolutely. Twizzler fans need not apply. Need not apply. Emily Means, have a fantastic weekend. I'll see you Monday. Thanks, Allie. See you Monday. That's all for us today here on CityCast Salt Lake. Our lead producer is Emily Means. Our producer is Ivana Martinez. Our newsletter editor is Terina Ria. And our host is me, Ali Vallarta. Our great Salt Lake theme song is by Daniel Foster Smith. And our music is by the local band Mitochondria. We will be back Monday morning with more from around this city. Have a great weekend.